I think it is interesting to uh, discuss films. You know, it's something that people often uh, is a feature of their lives and that they respond to very powerfully and they play an important role in our culture. And I think that this time we have really found you know we've talked about like uh the oeuvres of directors you know we're zeroing in on one movie this time but i think that we have found like really something that is quite fitting for subliminal jihad attention uh, i think that yes. this is, is quite deserving of our uh, our focus here this is really uh, uh, something yes. yeah it's, it uh it's, is yeah uh, yeah a lot the movie we're going to be talking it's about today is a lot. Yeah, it's it's quite a lot. It's basically a celluloid distillation of an incredibly fucked up family with mm -hmm. a really outsized financial hold on uh, America and really yep. the world, which is what we've talked about, we mentioned before in the podcast, the Gettys. Yep, uh, the so, good old Gettys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we have brought them up from time to time. And I was I was aware of this story and of this film in kind of a vague sense because I was, you know, uh, this happened uh, in 2015 when I was living in Los Angeles. The director of the film we're getting today, The Evil Within, uh, and, and which was directed by Andrew Getty, the yes, son of Gordon Getty. known as the storyteller. Yes. Not to yes. be confused um, with the Muppet series. Uh, well, or, we'll get uh, maybe yeah, to be or confused. Maybe to be confused. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Damn. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, we'll we'll get into we'll, we'll maybe circle through a greatest hits of like the Getty connection, so people really fully appreciate what uh, I, I guess maybe we both saw humming underneath the surface of this film. But yeah, it's not subtle. You don't have no. to like work hard. It's not like you know you're looking at. Polanski's adaptation of Testube Rills and you're like, oh, well, you know, there is this motif of sacrifice and like how eerie, you know, where like th that I think actually isn't uh, is very striking in a way. But that's very subtle compared to what's going on in this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. this is really something. And this is like, you know, just to give a quick uh, synopsis of it, the or sort of a quick expression of what's going on here, or what's the mm -hmm. deal with the evil within. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, this movie is like 15 years in the making. Like, for, yeah. w absolutely. Like, this dude worked on it for 15 years, uh, at least. There's a dude in this movie, Matthew McGorry. Uh, there's yeah. two, like, famous horror actors in this movie. One is the guy yeah. from The Hills Have Eyes, whose name escapes me right now, but you know, he's famous. Like, you know him. You've seen him in a million horror movies and B-type movies before. Uh, but there's another dude, Matthew McGorry, who's, like, another big sort of horror movie personage who's known for, like, his huge stature. And he, like, he's died like, in, yeah, 2005. And this movie came out in 2015. And he is in a scene in the movie towards the end. So yeah. <laughs> this movie definitely has been in the making for a while. And uh -huh. yeah, so basically, uh, Andrew Rourke Getty, the son of Gordon Getty, was holed up in his mansion, uh, which used to belong to some composer, which, you know, of course, is kind of consistent with the Getty's interests uh, in, in classical music and, and all that stuff. Uh, yes. But, you know, Andrew Rourke Getty, he always was more in fa into film. He went to NYU and things like that. And shortly after graduating, he had this idea for a movie which, uh, mm -hmm. according to him, was based on his own childhood nightmares. 
And so, yeah, he was working on it consistently. Like, if you look at the credits for this movie, like, I don't know if you watched the full credits because I wouldn't blame you if you didn't because, like, when it ended, I was just like, oh, my God, like, get me yeah, away from yeah, this hell, yeah. you know? Uh. But, yeah, if you look at the credits, uh, like, every single role, like, has, like, a million people under it. It's, like, first assistant camera operator, like, two whole, like, frames are needed to talk about yeah. all the people who filled this role in, yes. through the duration of the movie. Yeah, so he was, well, like, he, sitting in, yeah, his house for all this time, like, doing, you know, painstakingly working on this. He created... You know, we'll talk about some of the uh, different props that appear in the movies. There's some intricate mm-hmm. props, all of which created himself. He painstakingly made all the effects. And throughout this time, you know, he was just, like, doing a lot of coke, doing meth, uh, mm-hmm. like, spiraling downwards. And eventually, before he could really finish the movie, uh, he died in 2015. And he was uh, found and, by and, his... Oh. yeah. He was under very dark circumstances, which ended up being said of, oh, kind of like a a complications of uh, intestinal hemorrhage and heart disease and a methamphetamine overdose. Uh, He was found by his on and off kind of ex-girlfriend who called it in. Yeah, but we had a restraining order against, which is, yeah, he had previously taken a restraining order against her because she, I guess, would just hit him and, and, you know, according to the restraining order that he filed. Uh, she would, you know, uh, cause him great stress that was uh, a danger to him due to his heart condition, which he even mentioned in the restraining order. And his ulcers. And, yeah, yeah, that heart condition was theoretically the cause of his death. Uh, You know, he had just done, like, you know, he was just sitting in the bathroom uh, with some unspent shotgun shells all around him. Yes, yeah. Bleeding profusely from his rectum. Yeah. Uh, with the, the original report, I think from the police said that there was blunt force injury to his rectal area, which huh. is what that that's where they brought in the ex girlfriend for questioning initially because they didn't rule out that there was some kind of foul play that went on. He also, in right. addition to the shotgun shells sprinkled around his body, they found I think like propped up on his bed was like a kind of like a rack of surveillance monitors from the CCTV system in his mansion. So he was like holed up in there. I don't, I can't remember if they said they found a shotgun with him, but it's like he was in there with a gun. Uh, it's like, like Scarface or something, you know, just like doing meth and like cradling his like rack of surveillance monitors and stuff like looking out for somebody who was like going to get him or something. It's like very, it's extremely dark. And when you, we get into kind of the content of this movie, it just gets darker and darker. And we'll, we'll yeah. get into kind of the, the tangential stuff with the Gettys uh, in Los Angeles, yeah. Gordon Getty. Well, There's because so much weird. It's not really intrigue. tangential because this no, you're right. movie it's is not. a family <laughs> story and yes. all of this stuff is very much represented, I think in the film uh the movie yes. is not something is being represented to... something is yes. being represented yes. something very fucked up is being hinted yeah. is being mm-hmm. gestured at as like this and yeah i mean um yeah and and you know it's funny reading back so this happened in 2015 he died uh this kind of drug overdose death and you know it was kind of uh kind of in the way whenever like a kennedy dies you know before they're just time, like you know of. he had like a heart attack or something you know he, he had like an ulcer but methamphetamine use is a contributing factor you know he didn't yes but then articles did OG. start to come yeah. out that that like it the the more sordid details started coming out more and more uh in the period of like the year or two after he died um, that were basically like, yeah, he was really into meth and he was basically 
an extreme recluse. You know, he lived right off of Mulholland Drive um, Mm -hmm. uh, up in the Hollywood Hills. And uh, also, I mean, might as well bring it up now, but I noticed a Hollywood Reporter article that um, there were some male human remains that were found uh, on, like, kind of the outer edge of his property, like, adjacent to a hiking trail. The skeletal (laughs) remains of a male transient was found on overgrown property adjacent to his mansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but they said not supposed to be a connection. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. But then what it's like, I read that after watching this movie and was like, Ooh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. Hard to, oh yeah. What? Yeah. And you know, uh, also, and by yeah, the way, like that uh, yeah. type of thing is not unusual for the Getty family at all. I feel like it's more normal to have to die, like in that type of like horrific way where you're like found by someone like days later in some horrible state, usually in some, like, drug-related manner as a yes. Getty, than to not do that, than to pass away, like, peacefully with all your friends and family around you, like a voltage. Uh, yes, you know, no, like, it is more normal. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just looking at the, the kind of the greatest hits here of Getty tragedies. Um, the J. Paul Getty Jr.'s wife, uh, or J. Paul, J. Paul Getty Jr., the scion who, like, you know, built the family. Yeah. Um, his son, George, died in 1973 at age 48 from a mix yeah. of barbiturates and alcohol. Because he was the one who was kidnapped and no, uh, no, 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 not that oh. wasn't even him. That wasn't even him. That's a different, oh, wow. different son. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. That's so, John Paul yeah. Getty uh, Jr.'s son. And that oh, was yeah, his grandson. Yeah, his grandson yeah, was right. the one who was, was kidnapped. We'll get right, to, right, yeah, right. We'll, we'll get back to that. But yeah, 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 so George died at 48 from a mix of barbiturates and alcohol, you know, maybe a suicide, maybe an overdose. Uh, J. Paul Getty Jr.'s wife, a Dutch actress, died of a heroin overdose in 1971. And the pair's son, J. Paul Getty III, was later kidnapped by the mafia in Rome, who cut off his ear before their ransom demands were accepted, which, like, he refused, <laughs> famously refused to pay. And so they cut his son's yes. ear. And then J. Paul Getty III had a period of using heavy drugs and had a stroke. Well, his grandfather, um, he called his grandfather and asked him to pay or, you know, they called the, the kidnapped Getty's grandfather, yeah. the scion J. Yeah. Paul Getty, and he refused to pay because uh-huh. then all of his grandchildren would get kidnapped by the mafia was his excuse, you know? <laughs> the Andrangheta, and also, you just, you just uh, shouldn't negotiate him. with terrorists, you know? You no. can't negotiate with terrorists, so... Yeah, so but that they, but uh, they, destroyed they, his they life did. and drove him insane, and he became a yeah, and then, too. Uh, yeah, then he had yeah. a stroke in 1981, which left him paralyzed, and he died in 2011, so very sad. And also, you know, he did ultimately, I think as we mentioned in, like, our Opperman episode, uh, they did ultimately negotiate with terrorists because they sent none other than Gavin Newsom's father with, like, the bag yes. full of money to, like, pay off the Indrangheta and basically get uh, J. Paul Getty III back yes. um, because he was the, yeah, Bill Newsom was... The family consigliere for uh, the Gettys, and I think actually grew up. Gordon Getty lived in Bill Newsom's house. Like they, they, he lived with his family when they went to Saint Ignatius Prep. It's a high school together. Um, because I yeah. think at that point maybe J. Paul Getty Jr., um, the scion, had maybe moved to England or something, and so they like left him in San Francisco. And so you know, in a very weird way, it was like Gavin Newsom's dad was kind of um, kind of adopted Gordon Getty a little bit. And was like he was part of the Newsom family, and then when Gavin was born, uh, Gordon Getty kind of did the same thing with Gavin. So Gavin ended up getting taken on safaris and trips all around the world, and went and hung out with the Getty family. And actually, I mean, I wonder because they're the same generation, like how close Gavin Newsom and Andrew Getty were. They must have known each other. I don't know if they specifically were 
friends. Um, I know Andrew Getty did grow up in San Francisco around the same time. And, you know, so we're talking about a guy who, yes, he's an eccentric um, heir to, like, you know, an oil fortune and all these things, but also, like, deeply plugged in to California, the California yeah. politics structure, both in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And yes, like that. So, like, and looking at who's the governor of California, to, like, right now is Gavin Newsom, who's the vice president, another person who grew up in the same social circle, literally, with Gavin Newsom and these young Gettys. Uh, Kamala Harris is now the vice president. So, yes, absolutely. Like, Andrew Gettys, Andrew Rourke Gettys' mom, and Gilbert Getty, or, you know, Ann, uh, formerly Gilbert, then Getty, not to be confused with Ann Rourke Getty, who was his mom. Uh, that he's named for, I assume, you know, his, his middle name, Rourke, uh, is a reference to her last name. But she was, like, a, a, paleonto- a paleoanthropologist who, like, uh, was super active as, like, a patron of the arts and a patron mm-hmm. of the sciences and things. And particularly, you know, uh, and I think you can see that interest as well in the other Gettys, especially, you know, and Andrew, you can see he owned, like, a dinosaur skeleton that you can see yep. in the movie at one point, weirdly. That's very mm-hmm. odd. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, you know, he owns a dinosaur the movie, We'll talk about it. But yeah, so uh, there's all this interest in like, uh, you know, uh, paleontology and, and things like that. Uh, that is, yeah, yeah. And even family. even as yeah. Ed uh, brought up in, in our episode, um, you know, they have this huge like kind of collection of like unicorn stuff at the Getty Museum. Yeah, that yeah. also it's weird. Yeah. And really the like the whole interest, like I was reading that Gordon Getty, the father of uh, Andrew Getty, he was super into classical music and things, and he created operas yeah. like around all mm-hmm. sorts of these weird kind of uh, similarly gothic subjects, like the fall of the House of Usher. He wrote like an opera around, uh, I think, called Usher House, uh, and he did one on the Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde, you know, famous uh, Golden Dawn associated person, which is another weird thing. And he, he did like a, a libretto based on Joan of Arc called Joan and the Bells. So... You know, he chose interesting topics that were that are kind of in the same universe as thematically as the evil within. Uh, yes, know. yes. And I just want to state for the record because I did I did a little sus check and I'm looking at San Francisco Chronicle, a photo from 1991 and is a picture of a cool looking young Gavin Newsom. Paul Moen, Billy Getty, and Andrew Getty posing for a, quote, children of the rich feature that ran in the San Francisco Chronicle on December 12th, 1991. So they're standing, they're right next to each other, and they were born in the same year. So actually, they might have been classmates in school together. Like, they were, they must have been good friends, clearly. Children of the rich, right here. So we're talking about, yeah, like a friend of the governor, a a close family friend of the governor of California directed this movie. (laughs) Like, this fucking movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, this movie. Yeah, which is, (laughs) yes. Yeah, it's, uh... It's it's wild. Yeah, it's quite wild. Uh, Yeah, he was, yeah, super plugged in. He was, like, friends with all these people. He would be traveling around. But, yeah, I mean, well, he died before the movie could be released. And the producer, it was funny, because I was reading some comments by the producer, Michael Luceri, who finished the movie. And he was like, wow, you know, after he died, I was so surprised to hear everyone saying, like, oh, you know, he was an asshole. He was a cokehead. You know, he seemed like a nice guy to me. Like, I, and so he was like, I need to finish this movie, like, you know, to honor him or something. It's like, well, you know, I feel like it would be better if this movie never came out. Like, if you want to, like, convince people that (laughs) he's, like, a good guy and, like, honor his memory, like, you should have, like, not finished the movie. (laughs) Like, you should have just let it 
be buried and yeah. never. Yeah, no, exactly. I think the review in Birth Movies Death, it's interesting that this has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes because um, only yeah, like, five like five obscure reviews. blogs. Yeah, yeah but yeah. the Birth Movies Death one said, like, really, like, to call this a vanity project is really kind of missing the point because, like, if it was vanity that he was after, he really should have never released this movie. Like, it, it, it's a rare thing of, like, a vanity project of, like, a wealthy guy like this uh, ends up making him look, like, worse in... Uh, but like in a, in a, he successfully like achieves his goal of depicting a vision that he wants to achieve, but it's not like a good one that like reflects well on him. Yeah, you know no. what I mean. Like it's yeah, it's, uh, and it seems like yeah. whoever made this movie has serious problems, and yeah, yeah. demons you might it's say possible. they have serious yes. demons. They definitely have demons, and yeah, it's a movie that radiates true... It's not like a fun horror romp, you know? It's not like going to see, I don't know, Drag Me to Hell or Evil Dead, where it's like, okay, you know, the person who made this is still, like, a normal, a normally socialized person who's, like, trying to give us, like, spooky fun or something, you know? Yeah, this uh, love old grindhouse really, schlocky stuff. It's yeah. not even like seeing Rosemary's Baby where you're like, okay, the person who made this is kind of maybe, like, a bit worrisome to me, but, like, mm-hmm. maybe this is just a complex artist who's trying to, you know, uh, make some kind of point about, like, our deep-seated fears and the, uh, you know... Uh, paranoias that that we have as we go through our lives and the repression and things like that this is like you know the person who made this is like truly sick like this is just yeah uh it's kind of like a mix of like the, the impression of depravity that you get from like some of polanski's movies especially like you know maybe you kind of have to know who polanski is first and then you sort of see the like those aspects in his movies whereas you yeah. might give him the benefit of the doubt otherwise but this, like, even if you didn't know who made it, you'd be like, this person's sick. It's kind of like yeah. a Tommy Wiseau, like, room type thing where you're I like, was thinking is- that. This is very similar yeah. to the room in certain ways, though I, I kind of went into it a little bit. Like, I was surprised pretty quickly when I watched this because the way, yeah. to the extent people had written about it, it did kind of sound like, oh, my God, like, the Getty, one of the Getty dudes went off and made this kind of room thing that he sunk, like, millions of dollars no, of his yes. own money into. But it's like not it's not like a haha look how bad this is it 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 didn't really hit me no. on that level like there are aspects of it that are kind of like there absurd are aspects and kind of, of it that you know, are absurd yeah exactly it but the similarity with the room i would say is that it's deeply personal and you yes. can you definitely get the sense that this is like a very singular expression of for the you know artistic expression by the person who made this and in both cases, it's not flattering, but the room is actually more flattering than this uh, because mm-hmm. you kind of get the sense Tommy Wiseau is pathetic, doesn't he? La- uh, crucially lacking self awareness, yeah. but with this, you're like, you know, this guy's like fucked up. He, you know, and it reflects poorly on like the entire Getty family. It, I mean, you might have a negative opinion of them anyway, but yeah, you don't get a good picture of like the family environment that this kid grew up in uh or like no, his mental you guy don't. he was like 47 mm. when he died yeah no yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly and you know and it but it does have a certain it, it he did put it's a lot of money into it better like, made than the room production wise you know there oh, are yeah, some yeah. interesting shots you know weird sort of like tracking shots through like hamster habit trails because that's a uh-huh. weird like plot element in the movie 
Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's definitely uh, glossier and better made than The Room. Uh, yeah, I think and especially like, I also didn't know. realize because, okay, this movie did get finally released on streaming services kind of quietly in 2017. And when I was first watching it, I actually thought that it was probably made in like the early 2010s. But then, you know, you go back and read and, yeah, most of it actually a huge chunks of it were shot in like probably 2002 or 2003. And I guess there were rumors at the time of just, like, a lot of crazy shit happening on set Mm -hmm. and stuff kind of in the tabloids. And, you know, so, like, watching it, there's a lot of things in this movie that you're like, okay, like, that would be an absolutely bonkers decision that nobody would make. Say to have a heavily, like, mentally handicapped main character acting the way that they are uh, in this film. Yes. But if you Mm -hmm. think about it where it was being done in 2002, there's almost been kind of a thing in our culture lately of, like, going back to early 2000s comedies and just being like, ooh, yikes. Uh, No, yeah, it's true. Like, the fact that, like, the main... I mean, it's really not that, you know... I mean, Sia recently made a a movie, right, where uh, the main character is, like, played by... You know Maddie Ziegler from her, mm-hmm. uh, you know music MK video Shia Buff. Yeah, the her, yeah the one that you've mentioned before. You know, mm-hmm. and she plays like an autistic girl or something, or someone who has to care for an autistic girl, and the, and the autistic girl is like, you know, oh, you know, she understands music better or whatever. It's like some kind of you know classical like autistic person as plot device thing. thing. Like, yeah. yeah, or like, you know, you would see, uh, you know, one of our uh, favorite, like, uh, awful network shows, Flash Forward, where, like, all the, oh, you yeah. know, there's, like, an autistic kid who would just be like, five, two, six, the blackout is coming, like, you know, <laughs> like, they, like, have special powers, like, that type of stuff was, like, pretty normal for a really long time, uh, you know, since this movie really is, like, 15 years old, despite coming out when it did, uh, yeah. it's not surprising that, like, it really isn't that weird like in terms of the horror genre to have like you know a negative depiction of like a mentally uh disabled person uh yeah and given everything like given everything else in that movie like that that worry kind of like receded after a while because there's so much more fucked up shit happening in this movie that it's kind of like well okay like this is how you want to tell it and right my girlfriend my girlfriend watching it was like she was like isn't this movie canceled because you know this is like a non uh disabled actor like playing a disabled character and i'm like I feel like this movie is just, like, canceled, like, so many times over for, like, entirely (laughs) different things before that. Like, you know. uh, Throughout the entire thing, really. Yeah. It it does accomplish I mean, it's sick. It's It's insane. It's It's absolutely insane. It's sick. It's sick. You know, it's sick. It is. It's sicko. It's a a sicko fucking movie. It's a real sicko Yeah, it really is a sicko movie, and it's much more just, like, you know, I am uh, someone who enjoys horror movies, you know, because they deal a lot of the time with themes that are related to the, our areas of interest that we explore in the show often, you know, the the religious domain, the, mm-hmm. uh, the death, uh, life, the idea of another world, you know, a world beyond that of the senses, etc. Like, a lot of these themes are uh, very often explored in horror movies, the idea of God, the idea of Satan, etc., good, evil... Mm-hmm. Uh, horror yeah. often deals with those concepts so like I you know have seen a lot of these movies and this movie is mu- is more disturbing like by far than your average horror movie like this isn't like Annabelle comes home or whatever this is like yes, a really I agree. disturbing I agree. movie 
I think it's, I I would even say, you know, uh, people, you know, people have been disturbed by like, you know, Hereditary and Midsummer. I think it's not, I wouldn't say it's it's like a better made movie, but it's more disturbing. No, it's not. (laughs) It's much more disturbing. Correct. Yes. Hereditary is a much better movie, but, and there are shots in Hereditary that were disturbing to me, particularly, I think, you know, there's one shot in Hereditary that is, you Mm -hmm. know, a very memorable one. But there are also shots in this movie that will not leave me for a while that I will remember. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, should we? I don't know. So, like, I mean, should we get uh, into it? Should we just get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. A dream is a story I tell myself, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it, I guess. Well, if it's a story I tell me, how can I trick myself? You think someone else is telling you these stories? It has to be. Someone like... I control your dreams. I can handle the nightmares. You haven't yet had a nightmare. What are you hiding? Why are you lying? We have to stop the nightmares. We have to fix our brain. Oh, wow. Bad dreams, buddy? How can you stay awake all night? Mirror, I hate Dennis, and I'm gonna break the mirror right now! Hey, 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 John! There's a crime in progress. When you're sleeping at night, I'm the one who whispers in your ear. Subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad.